0: Welcome to the podcast for creating true wealth and a lasting legacy as a result of effectively managing financial wealth, creating purposeful impact and ensuring succession and continuation. Everyone wants to live a life full of purpose and meaning and leave a positive legacy, yet so many people just drift along and never really ask the underlying questions. The purpose of this podcast is to share insights and strategies that allow you to find and define your purpose to create the lasting legacy you want for yourself and for generations to come. We get one life and opportunity to make a real and meaningful impact and find true wealth. This is the True Wealth Project Podcast with your host, Sasha Janssen. Subscribe to this podcast to never miss an episode and don't forget to also subscribe to the True Wealth newsletter to receive educational content and action steps to help you find your purpose and create the legacy you want to leave. And today I want to welcome Nike Anani. Nike Anani is entrepreneur, speaker and a consultant. In fact, she was rated a top 100 family business consultant globally. She helps her clients bridge the gap between the senior and younger generations. Nike helps owners lead their family organizations to long-term impact and legacy. Her own experience as a second-generation family business owner birthed a passion to help other families in building legacy. Nike is an accountant and family business expert with a family business and wealth advisor qualification from the Family Firm Institute. She's the co-founder of African Family Firms, a pan-African association of family businesses, and the host of the Connected Generation podcast, a top 10 family business podcast globally. I recently had the honor of being guest on her show, and today I'm excited to have her on the True Wealth Project podcast. Hello, Nika. Welcome to the
1: True Wealth Project podcast. Well, thank you so much, Sasha. It's an honor to be here.
0: Well, thank you for being here. Um, I mean, as I, as I like to do and... Uh, um, I would just like to learn a little bit more about your, your background and how you became so passionate about family businesses and their legacies. And I'm, I'm particularly interested in, in the, the motivations that, um, uh, that, that you had to take the different steps, if you want to maybe concentrate a little bit on that.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I think my passion for this space was very much birthed from my inside experience. My father was the founder of our family enterprise. So the year I was born, I was born in Lagos in Nigeria. My dad was a medical doctor. My mom was a young teacher. So and they decided to set up a side hustle, as we call it, and started entrepreneurship really to put food on the table. And um, within a few years, my dad stopped practicing medicine and became a full-time entrepreneur. So I've grown up with business all around me, but not necessarily in me, if that makes sense. And at the age of nine, myself and my brothers and my mom, we moved to the UK for my education. And so I studied economics at university in London and started my career in professional services and accountancy. And whilst it was a really good exposure, a good fertile learning ground, great colleagues, I just really struggled to be inspired by the work that I was doing. Hmm. And I couldn't see myself there for more than the three years I was there. And I was itching for something, but couldn't tell you what that was. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to take some time off Um, I just qualified as a chartered accountant and I thought, okay, maybe I just need a change of environment for a few months to get inspired, get exposure away from the city of London into the real business world, so to speak. And perhaps it was an industry fit. So if I find the industry I'm passionate about, then I can go back to London and work in consulting for that industry. And so I went back to Lagos for what was supposed to be three months and never left. Well, I did leave, but (laughs) I did leave, but just 10 years later (laughs) and ended up working um, with my father in our um, family enterprise. Very hands on. Um, We have a construction business. We have a real estate development company and we have an engineering consulting business. Mm-hmm. And um, also my dad had been like a lot of families have been investing, but very informally. And so I founded the family office and I ran that for, for the 10 years. Mm-hmm. And so I guess my firsthand experience on the ground um, in the business, seeing just not only the impact it had on my family, right, it put food on our table, but it also had huge impact on so many other families, the employees and our ecosystem, the community, you know. Um, It just impressed upon me that it was really important that businesses like my families would be able to endure over time and over space. And it just felt like what well, it didn't feel it definitely there was just no support in trying to build that kind of a business on the ground in Nigeria there was no mm-hmm. um, expertise so there were no consultants coaches that knew about family businesses when you mentioned family businesses to professionals they would always talk start talking about SMEs um, and there was no community there was no association there was no learnings and I plugged into a number of networks internationally, predominantly in the US. And then started thinking: well, if if I can't find the expertise locally, then perhaps I should just train up and so that I can help my family navigate generational transition. Um, and started doing that with my family, and then started working with other successes in the area, in the areas of leadership consulting, areas of siblings teams formation and family office design and setup. Um, and also then realized that you know what it wasn't um, families didn't just need private work private advice they needed each other they needed to come into community with each other and collectively share their issues and collectively discover their solutions together and myself and a friend of mine Sissy Matendi we co-founded a non-profit membership community for families across the continent and the diaspora called African Family Firms. And that's been my trajectory into this slam dunk into the space of family enterprise, family wealth. And I I think families make a huge impact on society. Family businesses drive so much value um, from an entrepreneurial perspective but also social change and Mm. um in terms of um you know philanthropy i think families are so critical in our societies and that's why i'm super passionate about about them
0: and and i suppose that's because that would have been my next question but what you said you you felt it was important for for the business to endure um but I guess that those are the reasons, right? Because uh, the, the family businesses
1: have such an important role in their local communities, philanthropy, and and that sort of thing. Indeed, indeed. Um, and I think just taking a step back and looking at the African context, right, which is very different from in the West. In yeah. Africa, unfortunately, we do have a lot of absolute and relative poverty. And so unemployment in Nigeria right now is 35%. Um, And so having a master's degree or a PhD is no guarantee of financial security or getting a job. Uh And in that context, when we think about it, um, quite often families that have built up these successful businesses, if only they could um, be equipped with the tools so that these businesses can endure over time. Um, we're adding, um, we're adding significant economic value by way of job creation, tax, and what have you. So the opportunity cost of these businesses not enduring is is much starker than in the West because we don't have a welfare system. We, there's yes. no social security. Yes. Family businesses quite often are are social safety nets. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, that's why I'm I'm particularly passionate about families businesses enduring and them enduring doesn't necessarily mean that they stay the same, that they stay stagnant. Um, mm. And quite often that actually the irony is um, them being able to um, withstand the test of time usually means they have to adapt and transform to some degree, right? Um adapt to the times or infuse more technology looking to new opportunities sometimes it means letting go of certain um businesses some Mm. some opportunities just don't work out or are no longer viable um or are not a good fit with the next generation but i think it's just the the legacy of entrepreneurship i think families should strive to to keep and pass on that baton
0: yeah Yeah. right and I, I guess that, that leads us, uh, kind of straight into your, um, into your book. Um, because I, you know, your, your book that you're right. I don't know what stage it's at, but I know that you're
1: writing on it. Is it finished yet or not? No, I don't no. know what state it's at either. <laughs> so I'm, I'm almost there. I'm like 95% nerd. like, I wish someone would have told me that finishing a book is 50 times harder than starting yeah. a book. Yeah. 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 So I'm almost there, but we're looking at June for a launch. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well anyway I'm looking forward to it
0: and you you picked such a great slogan or title for it lifetime to legacy I really love that because it's it sort of uh, i just puts everything into three words and, and it expresses so much I think um but tell us about the the book and how that fits into your um your development and 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 your passion for for family business and, and how 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 you can how it takes that forward basically
1: mm I guess the premise of the book was, i like I said, there was a dearth of like expertise on the continent when it came to this um arena. but a lot of the language that was coming across was very much focused on the technical elements, like you would find wealth managers, you would yeah. find estate planners, you'd find tax planners but i felt they were not speaking to the heart of the matter and that was really this legacy of entrepreneurship how can you ensure that families firstly define it nurture it and pass it on to the next generation how do we ensure that not just we don't just focus on who's going to be the leader of the business and protect the future of the business but we're co-creating the business of the future Um, How do we ensure that we create something that's cohesive and brings together the different generations in the family, the different genders in the family, so that they have a collective rallying point and are co-creating this business of the future? That was really the premise behind the book. Um, And, you know, it's something I'm super passionate about. And part of what's been so difficult about writing this book is, what do you put in and what do you leave out? Because it's such a wide, as you know, like there's just so much I, one can delve into, but yeah. um, it's made me uh, very disciplined now um, in terms of really identifying what does the audience need right now? Not to, you know, put a water hose down their mouth, but w- speaking specifically um, to the African market, mm-hmm. the African audience, given the political economic landscape, given the composition of the families, given where they're coming from and their, their exposure and understanding of family enterprise, like I said Unfortunately there's not been as much awareness in Africa as there's been in other jurisdictions mm-hmm. given where they're at what do they need to take that next step what what's the yeah what do they need to take that next step to start thinking about how can we create the business of the future
2: yeah
0: okay well that's um yeah I, th- I think you're touching a point there that that, that it's I'm sure relevant to to the African audience, but also very much relevant to the to the more uh, Western or industrial industrialized nations audience. And that's that's the as you said, you know, the the, the established language uh, in the sector seems to be very very technical and often yeah. driven by by experts in particular fields. And of course, they focus on on their field, which is what they're there for. But I think. They basically often omit this more um, soft skill approach, or uh, the 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 well, that w- what you can't really measure, or you yeah. know, you can't measure the the efficiency of building a family culture, and 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 I find as as someone who is, I mean, I, I run a, I call it a G one family business. I mean, the family business is essentially me at the moment, but I'm working hard to uh, build it in a way that it can be transitioned to the next generation. And I just find it incredibly difficult to to get that thinking that I have because I, I read stuff and I talk to people like yourself uh, to bring that into the family in a way that they don't feel... Um, well, that 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 I can actually engage with them on on a on a mm. on a family level rather than, mm. you know, being too technical and say oh look, we have to have a family meeting
1: now. <laughs> Indeed. I, I think that was my struggle as well. Just you know, when I started like reading up on the space, I found it all even I found I found it all a bit preachy. I found it all too technical like the constitution the committee the charter i just felt like really that just seems so heavy like it just seems so boring it just seems so dreary um and or it was too academic it wasn't practical enough yeah so there were lots of like all these extensive you know like papers that i couldn't even read the abstracts i'm like because i'm an (laughs) entrepreneur like i'm just like tell me the three things i need to do like and i will get it done and And so it's really thinking through the audience, like you said, family business owners like ourselves that are looking for practical takeaways, are looking for tangible things to do and are looking to speak to the heart of the matter not to sell a service. And I think quite often um, we are sold to all the time, right? Um, And I think that's part of the issue.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so, so I take it your, your book uh, will help on that front.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's honestly, it's like my my give back to the community. Mm-hmm. Um, having started, um, co-founded African Family Firms two years now, it just became so clear that people needed not just bite-sized content, they needed kind of like a holistic collation um, that they could study together as a family for instance or you know Sasha could read it and then he could suggest his other family members to read it and then practical exercises they could do together that was really um the um motive behind the book was yeah yeah
2: yeah
1: Yeah. so
0: great because (laughs) Uh, I mean, this show is all about you know practical steps and, and learning and implementing, uh, partially because I want to uh learn and implement, but also uh, you know, our listeners are, are keen to do the same. So if 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 well, give us three sort of top steps on uh you know what what to do if you want to start building a business legacy or building a legacy business that lasts for more than one generation.
1: Mm. I think quite often as entrepreneurs, we're wired to focus on the business and not think through what it's for. And that's really for the family. Mm-hmm. And we're typically at the first gen stage is like you said, it's yourself, right? And then your family separate. But we want to start thinking about bringing the two together somewhat mm-hmm. um, to start having collective conversations. I mean, I, I know you've got some newborns, um, but for instance, um, looking back, My parents, um, we never really explicitly had a conversation about the family business until when I was like, I'm bored in Deloitte, I want to come home for a few months. Mm. And so I knew, I was shocked by the extent of the business, the operations, Mm. Um, it was a slam, it was a a huge like, what, I think especially because we lived abroad, right? So my parents had kind of, I felt very insulated from that activity Mm -hmm. and I think, reflecting back I would have loved for us as a family to have been having conversations about the business understanding the origin story like how did all this happen like Mm. learning from not just the triumphs of my father and my mum, but also the trials I want to know like because quite often as next generation we are born into wealth so to speak and our parents have gone from frugality too well. They've endured a lot of hardship and there's a lot of um, skills that they've built along the way. And we don't see that. And so we 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 want to be able to relive that with you so we can inculcate some of the values, mm. right? So if we'd been having these conversations for a while, like, okay, and then where's this going? And sometimes it's, we don't know. We don't know right now where it's going. Mm. Um, and that's fine, I think. But it's just to break the ice and start to have the conversation about the business, its purpose, you know, the meaning of wealth, um, the inevitable, the the death of the founder. And past that, what does that mean for the family? What legacy do we want to be living right now? And what legacy do we want to be leaving collectively Mm. in the future? These are, I think really important to start from um, an early age and it's on that foundation of these conversations that we can then start thinking through succession planning and you know the roles of the next generation the desires of the next generation um, the strategic opportunities for the next generation to get involved whether it's in the business or setting up a family office or a family foundation or or just being owners but i think Focusing on those conversations is absolutely critical,
2: yeah, yeah,
1: okay,
0: I like that, although you know, as I mentioned it's it's I find it incredibly hard to um to create that opportunity or space to even start that conversation. I mean, my kids are still young, so I have a a bit of time to to think about that, but as you say, you know, and I think it's best to start that as early as possible. And to a degree we've, we've managed because I noticed from the questions that I'm getting from my kids, you know, they're starting to think about, you know, oh, well, what does that even mean to have a business? And, and mm-hmm. why do we do it, do this this way? And, and why don't we do things the other way? And it's, you know, there's a there's a some some sort of spark was set off at some point so that they're mm-hmm. beginning to ask questions.
1: But still, do you have any tips to uh, to start that conversation? Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head that it's hard to start. And I think there's um, different levels of friction. There's time in your calendar. There's time, space in your mind. There's space in your heart. And I found that the most effective way is to... Um, away away from the daily hustle and the noise and our regular routines because those those things can clutter us Mm. um, and make it difficult but um being intentional about spending time family retreats family vacations Mm. just bonding as a family building that family bond and then taking maybe half a day um to have a conversation and start asking the heavier questions and having the heavy because these have these are heavy topics that you yes. just don't have on the fly yeah. you just don't have after watching you know tv in the evening right we're gonna have half an hour to have a facilitated conversation on the meaning of the wealth of the everyone <laughs> would just be like what like dad i'm tired or I really don't care right now. Or what are you talking about? Even you have to get to a place emotionally and mentally to be fully present. And our lives are quite busy. Um, So we have to pull away together and um, almost remind ourselves of what this is all for, you know, for family, um, bond, And then, yeah, have those conversations. And sometimes those conversations may go very technical, right? It may go to, we're dealing with a potential insolvency of one of the, I don't know, one of the entities in the group. And we're we're talking through firefighting, so to speak. Or sometimes it can go very personal, right? And there's some conflict in the family. Um, There's some rivalry, right? There's something that's getting in the way of us forming that, bond um such that we can collaborate together on the enterprise um, so it's it's being mindful and that's why it's emotional um, it's important to create that emotional space yeah um, to have that these conversations yeah
0: yeah i seem to remember from from one of your other interview conversations that i listened to um, that you mentioned something like um hang on how 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 do you how do siblings become business partners? It was something along those lines. Do you remember
1: mentioning that? Yeah, I talk about it in the book as well. I think it's um from personal experience and also from folks that I've served mm-hmm. is we're used to being siblings, but we're not used to being partners. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it takes intentionality, practice, and training to be partners. And I think quite often what happens is we've never had that training being partners until the inevitable happens mm. and we we've not created a working partnership right we're just accidental partners I can't remember who wrote there was a some from family firm institute someone wrote an art- article about accidental partners mm-hmm. um, and how usually part these partnerships come about once the death of the founder happens and that's a really stressful time for a family, yeah. right? You're grieving, you're trying to figure out like this business, like you might not know that much about the business and emotions are high. You're probably squabbling. And then, you know, you all have different working styles, different expectations. And 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 it's, it's not the best environment to bring out the best in the team or the individuals. Instead, yeah. we want to start practicing being simple siblings partnerships during the lifetime of the p- founder and that could be um through projects right it could be um something completely unrelated to the family enterprise, right it could be philanthropic work yeah it could be them co-investing it could be fundraising it could be um setting up a committee for the family business and them working together but i think it's important that they learn um teamwork what their respective strengths are what they're bringing to the table um how they work together what their collective weaknesses are what their collective strengths are what they need to do to enhance that collective collective weakness and strength um get into that groove whilst the founder the founder and spouse are still alive so they can they're there to kind of moderate like when things get a bit dicey because yeah. conflict is inevitable and they can <laughs> stare and be like well this these are our values and this is our, our purpose and this is our mission and remind them right rather than well dad would have wanted this or Mum would have wanted that or you know and it's all just speculation yeah 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 quite
0: right so th- th- did you and your family go through all these steps and at, at what point in time was that because you mentioned you, you wished you had done that
1: earlier I do I think we we restarted we the siblings teams formation about five years ago mm, okay so myself yeah. and my brothers um, we um, are members of the family council now but then it was we would co-invest together <clears throat> on relatively small deals. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, the inevitable, sometimes there'd be conflict, right? Because we have different ways of working or um, some family, personal issues may get in the way, right? Um, But we learned, we also got a coach that guided us through this. Mm -hmm. And we we did personality tests to understand what are our individual strengths, Mm -hmm. what drives each of us, what are our collective strengths and what are, what's our collective weakness? And I mean, flash forward now, I think that that's been invaluable because, um, now we, I chair the family council and we sit on the family council and we, um, we take strategic decision-making on the family office and the family business, but more importantly as next gens, cause quite often I'm, you know, I'm approached by next gens. Like my dad just won't let go. My mom won't let go. We can't, what it's done is to in the eyes of my father, we are serious partners. Yeah. Because yeah. we come with we we call him like dad, we'd like to have a meeting with you on this date. And here's the agenda. And one of us will present and we'll each submit <laughs> like like it's it's really um professional. It's not yeah. just we don't like the way you do this. We we need more tech it's not just criticism. Yeah. And um, and it's not individual voices, it's we are united as siblings and this is our position and this is what we think you should be doing or this is the direction we'd like for you to be going in. And, and then we have a conversation. Whereas in the past it was, these family meetings <laughs> would be just sometimes a monologue <laughs> of him kind of telling us his plans and his vision and where it's all heading and, and we're all just sitting there like, okay whereas now the dynamic has changed yeah very and and very much and now it's like what do you guys think like he will send us emails with different things what do you guys think of this i won't do this unless we have um consensus for this what what do you think has made
0: that
2: shift possible honestly
1: i think it's the unity
2: so your brother think, and yourself bonding
1: and, and partnering up. And, I think it's the unity. There are three of us. Um, yeah, three, okay. Yeah, I think it's the unity, and I it's the um, and I think it's. I think we also have a, the skill set. So my I'm obviously I ran the family office. I'm um, an accountant. My other brother, he's an investment banker. My other brother, he he runs his own business and he works in oil and, oil and gas. Mm-hmm. So it's not just, we, we're we just, you know, bringing up a whole bunch of ideas but don't know what we're talking about. Yeah. We, yeah. we have the expertise. And I think yes. that's another thing next gen to think about. If you don't necessarily have the professional work experience, then just go for short courses. Mm. Get trained up, get a coach to... Mm build up your skill set in yeah. these areas and bearing in mind that post university now i've been working for 14 years right so this is not where i started right i built yeah. up my competence over time to be able to get <clears throat> to where i am now and that's the same with my brothers right um you can start early and start with you know you need to understand financial statements you need to understand like overview of like business strategy, corporate governance, um, investing and build your competence privately and your confidence privately over time and then collectively. And then you'd be at a point where you even feel confident in having opinions about certain things in the business.
0: Hmm. I mean, obviously that requires the desire to be involved in the family business, um no you didn't mm-hmm. you didn't have
1: that when you came back from the UK if i understood you correctly. I didn't i didn't know much about it. It was never yeah. we'd never had express conversations about the family yeah. business until i came back accidentally for 3 months. And then i was like wow actually <clears throat> i would love to get involved here. Yeah. Okay.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean that's that i suppose I don't know. I mean, it
0: may may have been a good thing that you went away to the UK to be completely outside the family business to get to know parts of the other real world and 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 then go back and find out you know what is there. Do you think that was that was um, that was a good way of doing it, or do you think it would have been better? I mean, you said you wish you had would have had uh, conversations earlier about the business, but maybe it wasn't such a bad thing.
1: Yeah, I think the conversations will birth or plant a seed, mm. right? Um, mm. And like you said, your children are starting to ask you questions. Yeah. Right? Um, and then you you can start to sh- formulate, you know, maybe so-and-so should get an internship in uh, this industry or get a skill in this and, and what have mm-hmm. you. I think my case was... It could have gone the other way, right? Where Mm. I just decided to stay in the UK, right? I could have had, I could have loved being an accountant. Yeah. Right. And I I would still be sitting in London right now. And my, I don't want to like, you know, I I was a savior of the day, but I was really the gateway to my brothers because it was my involvement and setting up Mm. a family office And my obsession with this space that I was like, you know what, the three of us need to start working together. Yeah. And we need a guide, we need a a coach. So, but for that, um, it would have been difficult for my dad to galvanize our interest, our involvement um, in in the future of the enterprise.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I guess your family was lucky in many ways to have you and to that you got involved and, and, and started the process.
1: I, I do think that like, it was all chance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it wasn't. And I think there's, there could be a level of intentionality there. And I think particularly when there's a geographic dispersion, the, that intentionality has to be more, um, yeah. 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 Because I could be sitting in London and then right now, my dad turns 16, a few months, he will be thinking, God, all my kids are not here. Um, what am I going to do with this business? Am I going yeah. to sell it? This is the quite often that's the scenario I'm faced with when a founder reaches out is my kids are in Canada or they're in Germany or in the UK, US, and they don't care about this business. Well, it's difficult, but they won't care about what they don't know. No one loves what they don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that. Yeah. Mm. yeah, And that love is birthed in conversation and yeah. exposure and and them understanding for dad, like, what does this mean to you? Like them understanding the sacrifices you've made mm. for it as well and your journey and making it very personal, not just, you know, um, just this object, just the business. And we have this number of employees, but really understanding the story of it, yeah. what it yeah. means to you and then what it means to them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, stories are incredibly powerful.
0: I mean, not just in marketing, but, but well, I guess I suppose it's also a way of marketing internally.
2: <laughs> For sure.
1: Say, no, and, and that's the point um, marketing internally, the story the next generation tells themselves. Yeah. Because quite often um, it's a story of intimidation, mm. right? Intimidated by the success of mom and dad with this business and that they're not good enough for it, um that it's not for them and you can there's an opportunity there to tell a different story uh. right um so yeah it's storytelling is is super powerful
2: absolutely i mean
0: it it yeah it, it, i think it <laughs> I, I tend to be a bit too perfectionist in that respect, I think, but you know, because I always think, oh, it's so much work to get all these stories straight and 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 to think about what to say when. And but I guess the most important thing is just to to start, yeah. to start having those conversations. And I mean you can't plan family conversations anyway, can you? I mean, to a degree maybe, but um they they tend it's to fun. go differently <laughs> than they were planned, at least in our case. <laughs>
1: for sure i think it's the openness the willingness the availability um that's important like you said excuse me um you can't plan everything
2: yeah yeah
0: all right well i i think really i mean that's 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 a very uh that's a very powerful story that you can tell your clients and um I just want to get to know a little bit more about the the work that you do. I mean, you provide advice, but um, what does that mean in reality, in practical
1: terms? Yeah, great question. Um, It's usually Mm one-on-one coaching with Mm next-gens. Next-gens that are in their family enterprises, usually they're in the business and are on path to be a successor, CEO, but need some guidance and assistance with that mm-hmm. journey, mm-hmm. Um, customized development plans, um, execution support, um, understanding and discovering the unique leadership styles, how to influence stakeholders, the founder, their siblings, along that journey, how to champion change and new initiatives um, in the business or outside of the business. That's usually the work that the bulk of my work is one-on-one mm-hmm. and then usually that evolves into the siblings partnership work as well. Yeah. Um, so then coming together with your siblings, how do you um, form a unified vision, unified mission, um, understand each other's collective strengths and weaknesses and create a cadence um, for your working relationship. Um, and then I've done a couple of Um, assisting either non-family staff or successors with okay designing and setting up family offices like single family offices what does that look like whether that be outsourced insourced offshore onshore um we're really thinking through from the spiritual side like the purpose of it Mm. as opposed to um the tax planning and the choice of jurisdiction. I over, I oversee those um, streamlines with other advisors, but yeah. I'm very much like the um, the you know the conductor of the orchestra.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's that's a good 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 analogy. And and would you say that that um, a large part of your work then is to to because as a as an offspring. Um, I suppose you 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 often start off in, in a at least perceivedly a weak position because you have the, the the founder often the patriarch who you know has got a big ego has got decades of business experience and, and well we've always done it like this and you know all, all that sort of thing that that comes along with that and I think I think that can be quite an intimidating position to be in. Uh, and and I suppose what, in my observation, what often happens is that the next gen, they sit there and wait for their turn. But I guess that's probably not the, the, the best way to approach the situation, because really, you should, you know, as we just said, you know, you should start the conversation as early as possible. But if the founder doesn't do that, what do you do as the next gen without being to rebellious, to, you know, without offending your dad or mom, or as the case may be.
1: For sure. And I think it's such an important point that you're bringing up here. Um, I think there's a way to champion change in a way where you're seen as, um, uh, as part of the founders team, as opposed to, um, in opposition to him or her, right? Um, yeah. So it, it's not about, I hear this, you know, and what I'm hearing, I hear this a lot, and it's really about people want the grapple for power and to be in that position yes. of CEO. I don't really think that's what it's about. It's about being able to influence and persuade whether yeah. you're in a position of um, authority or not. Um, and sometimes the most influential person is mum. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I learned that very early that, oh, yeah, she is super influential. She yeah. doesn't go to the office. She doesn't know anything, but she has his ears, and I can, you know, pull some strings if I get her on my side. Yeah. That's what I mean. Um, I think it's about learning the art of influence and persuasion and learning yeah. how to communicate your ideas yeah, yeah. in a way that would would resonate with said founder not just waiting and twiddling your thumbs until that day when you have the power because guess what um you're wasting time um you could be preparing and leadership takes practice leadership you want to start practicing your leadership yesterday yeah so practice collective leadership with your siblings and with the founder etc and learning how to submit your ideas in a way that would be heard by him or her. Um, And quite often folks see like the founder as like, I need to grapple, grab power from him or her. But actually, I actually think like non-family staff dynamic as well is a very important one to navigate as a next gen. Mm, Yes. Because if you think about it, the inevitable happens, and you are in position of power. And then suddenly all these people that were like, who are you? Like you, we, it was, it was, you know, so-and-so that we knew and we respected. You're only here because of your last name. How do you get the trust of such stakeholders? So learning the skill of influence and persuasion is super important, whether you are in the place of authority or not. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's really learning each of the stakeholders, their different perspectives, their priorities and their preferences and um, understanding them like from an emotional perspective and understanding how whatever change you are trying to champion aligns with their, their desires and speaking in a way that would resonate with them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's... Um, I, I, I guess that also... Um, plays into because i mean typically when when you have a when you have a g1 family business where you have um mom or dad as the founder and um and you have that 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 ongoing process of of transitioning that also brings along um a big change to the business itself and to the to the culture of the business because that shift from the from the one person rule to if there are siblings to a number of um, of of people um i mean that 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 must be something that that the business has to digest as well, not just the family yeah,
1: yeah. the employees the stakeholders the yeah. suppliers the yeah. community for sure i think and that's why I find that in the in the industry there tends to be this kind of what does a patriarch want what are his vision and his values and his purpose etc and like how can the next generation imbibe that i i struggle with that because it's i see all that as quite dynamic it's very dependent on the part of the people there right it's the siblings have to see themselves in the cult in the culture and the cult and otherwise they won't be interested yeah right yeah. and but it's also being sensitive with that evolution of the culture of the implications of that on the business environment and being, ins- be, be, being mindful of the fact that we need to create a culture that attracts and motivates the best. Because yes. ultimately what we're <clears throat> talking about is talent, talent within the family and talent within the business. Yes. How yeah. do we keep and attract the best how do we draw out from the best, their best ideas? Yeah. I want them to have emotional ownership in what we're all building together.
0: Okay. Well, it, it, to me, that sounds like, um, well, quite a unique perspective on, on that transition process. And I think it's also probably because you, you tend to have next gens as your clients rather than patriarch or the matriarch because that's then it turns the perspective on its head and i think that's very helpful because really while the 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 senior generation has the the legal power to effect that change really it's the next generation who need to embrace it and and take it on take on the responsibility and then do something with that and evolve the business for sure they are the future rather than you know um so I think that's, that's quite, um, quite a, a powerful perspective. Um, now, given your, your African background and your, your activities with uh, African family firms, how do you think that is, I mean, apart from the fact that, that there may not be as much infrastructure for that whole family business thinking and, and transitioning, etc. but how do you think Africa is different um from from other more industrialized nations
1: um, in so many ways, <laughs> from the business environment is a lot more dynamic mm. um, political environment is a lot more dynamic, which necessitates upon business owners to be very resilient. Resiliency is uh, Yeah, it's a necessity. I mean, COVID-19 was bad, is bad. But for a lot of African business owners, they go through all sorts of disruptions on a daily. Mm. Um, For instance, Nigeria, the currency has lost. When I moved back 10 years ago, the dollar was, um, or the pound was 250. One pound was 250 naira. Today, it's sitting about 900 Mm. So there's been huge, significant loss of you know, exchange rate, inflation, um, it's quite high. And that means as a business owner, you're constantly planning for the worst and having contingencies and building resiliency into your business model. Another way I'd say we are different culturally is there's a lot more elder dominance in Africa. So um, it's, by by virtue there's a lot of premium on on people that are elderly and they're not supposed to be questioned and um, the young are just supposed to nod and agree and do what they're supposed to do and a lot of my generation have not grown up like that whether they're on the they grew up on the continent or outside by virtue of the influence of media and technology right yeah and that's challenging a lot of our parents' generation who are used to a certain way of building their businesses and it's just it, it makes it a greater challenge to create that cohesion and that collaboration between the two generations. Um, another thing I would say that is really prevalent on the continent is informal philanthropy. is mm-hmm. widespread across the mm-hmm. continent. Um, We have very high levels of informal giving. Um, We're very um, communal in our thinking Mm. and very conscious of uplifting those that are at risk of being left behind. And this Mm -hmm. is baked into people's kind of personal finances as well as often in their business activities, either through like corporate social responsibility or the way they, they, they almost design their business models in a way to essentially what we talk about as ESG in mm-hmm. the West, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I would say those are the things that amongst a, a, a lot others like we also have um, we also have polygamy on the continent which you don't tend to find in the West, right? Mm. Um, and as a result of that that changes the dynamic of a family structure naturally, right? Um, and creates additional complications in a succession process or estate planning process, but um, which really just calls for the need to have those conversations all the more mm. um, to have <clears throat> greater levels of clarity. Cause there's just more moving parts involved in this. Um, yeah. What else would I say? Also like from a business perspective, the opportunities are immense Um If we flip around, like, for instance, in Nigeria, we have a $1 trillion deficit in the infrastructure space, um, and that's really just an opportunity. So quite often when you see families, um, enterprising families, they're involved in so many things. Yeah, I'm yet to meet um, an African enterprising family that just unlike in the West where they stick to that one thing. No, they are usually helicopter octopuses that are involved in so many things because of by virtue of they're able to maximize and leverage their existing social capital, financial capital. Mm. And, and and obviously they know their terrain very well. And they know the opportunities that do exist, which is a double-edged sword. Um, it's great for resiliency and diversification, mm. especially in an environment which is a lot more dynamic, right? But it does test the leadership of the next generation all the more because you're yeah. not just talking about leading this one construction business. You're talking about leading an enterprise. Yeah. 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 That's an interesting aspect. Yeah. I think, I, I think for the next generation, it's a bit more exciting because there's just more breadth for them. yeah. And so they can, I've seen, for instance, clients, you know, just say I'm interested in media and I want to work in yeah. a media company or I'm interested in my brother's instru- interested in the construction and he works in that. So, you know, it's not just the case of, "Well, I don't really like this manufacturing plant and I'd rather go get my nine to five. They've got more options available yeah. to them. Yeah. 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 yeah
0: interesting in i i mean africa to me as a as a layman um, <laughs> um it's how can i put it it's, it's it's a fascinating continent i mean i i don't i can i cannot really claim i know a lot about it but um i know it's a very young continent in terms of it its is. population it is and obviously just because of the of the um, of the resources the continent has, and and in, in terms of human capital, but also in terms of natural resources, um, but also in terms of the, the the poverty levels that you have, there must be huge opportunities to do business there. But as a as a non-African entrepreneur, you know, I would really struggle. Um, And and I've had questions about it, you know, Mm. would you invest in Africa? I said, well, I probably would, but I don't really know how to go about it because (laughs) it's so inaccessible for me. I I just don't understand it because, as you say, you know, it's it's so much more informal than than in the West.
2: Mm.
0: Do you think it would be viable for a for a family business to invest in Africa in a way that they don't get their fingers burnt and, and, and.
1: For sure. I'm asked this question a lot. Um, And we're seeing a lot more formalization on the investment side. So we're seeing a lot more like investment syndicates, and Mm -hmm. um, funds that are coming together. I think that's a great starting point because you can leverage and build firstly community with other investors and, and also ecosystem players that really understand the terrain and learn from them, Mm -hmm. Um, knowing that they've got a certain level of governance and rigor in the way they stress test their potential deal flow. um, I think that would be the best way to to start off. Um, For instance... There's a syndicate called Future Africa, and they invest in tech startups across the continent. Mm -hmm. And the minimum to invest is is just $2,500 per deal. Mm -hmm. Um, So they will will send you deal flow, like up to 40 deals a year. Mm -hmm. And you choose, for instance, I'm not interested in in investing in Sasha Limited. I want to invest in Nikkei and Annie Limited. You can invest on a deal by deal basis and you can go as high as you want, or you can go as you know up to that minimum of two five and and through that you can also request to build a relationship with the founders and get to know them and Ah, for instance you've got an expertise in an area that they need like for instance your real estate let's say it's a prop tech company yeah um you can build relationships with them get to understand that better and, and through that as is in all jurisdictions relationships is really yeah. the key yeah. isn't it right um so i would recommend going through like co-investing syndicates through funds um as a starting point and before you know it, um if you spend four to five years doing this you'll probably know most of the key yeah
2: yeah (laughs) key
1: ecosystem players across the continent and again it's also you have to choose like what's your area are you interested in a specific sector or a specific region dynamics are a bit different like southern africa eastern africa western africa and northern africa um and but they are they are active Angel investing venture groups and mm-hmm. also private equity groups, depending on the quantum and scale you want to do. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, I suppose you're right. I mean, at the end of the day, it comes down to the relationships that you have and you need to build them somehow um, without without getting your fingers burn, burned first. And then once you have that infrastructure in place, then it becomes a lot easier. Yeah. 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 Great. I'm conscious about time. We've been chatting for nearly an hour. <laughs> <laughs> what what does true wealth mean for you? I mean, mm. when you hear the term, what does that tell you?
1: I think agency when I think of wealth. Um, honestly, I think the opportunity not to worry about one's basic needs right um the toil of housing eating schooling and healthcare um knowing that all that is sorted so one has agency to pursue um what they want to do and to make that difference that they want to be in the world that for Ooh. me is is wealth and i guess it's for me it's more holistic than financial it's also social yeah it's spiritual um obviously financial is in there um but that's what wealth means to me it's possibility and agency
2: Mm -hmm.
0: so in a way freedom
1: freedom yeah for sure freedom of choice I i guess yeah because i i've seen the opposite of that in africa where like I said, unemployment's very high and people with well, well, great intentions go to university and work hard and they don't have any freedom. Mm-hmm. They're reliant on someone else for their next meal or to get their school fees for their kids paid or mm-hmm. if there's, and, you know, they've got a healthcare bill to pay. And I just think it's just so heartbreaking because... Uh, we we all have something in us that i i believe we all have something in us that we were called to bring out into this world and yeah um, make a positive impact and to a certain extent uh, this might seem a bit controversial for a lot of people they do think that's a luxury to talk about your impacts in the world and your meaning in life some i know for a fact that some back home would say to me and challenge me and say that's because you've you have food to eat you've got a roof over your head you've you've got kids at that you know are well catered for um and so there's a minimum level of i guess our needs to be met <laughs> um before I guess it's maslow's hierarchy of needs right yeah yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Okay, so in in terms of creating true wealth for yourself, and uh, I mean, on this show, we work on the definition that true wealth is some form of weighted average between financial wealth, impact, purpose, and succession or legacy. Mm. Um, How how do you think or what do you consider your key achievements in in, in those areas to date? Or which ones are your strongest points or...
1: In the last four or five years, um, purpose and legacy, um, um, financial will probably be next. Um, obviously I'm a next gen inheritor, but you know, it's, those events have not yet happened. Um, and I've had quite a good career. Right. Um, um, what was the other part succession you said
0: yeah succession legacy the 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 longevity or
1: so that's a really powerful question because in terms of my family enterprise I've done a lot of work in enabling that but one could look at the work that I'm doing now and say you're a solopreneur with just an assistant how (laughs) how much longevity is there in that right um I guess I would speak to, that would speak to the importance of like my content, like my podcast and the book to go out into the world and outlive myself. Um, Something that's evolving with me though, is this purpose piece. Mm -hmm. And as of late, um, because I've always done multiple things, always, it's just who I am. Um, I'm finding that I want another challenge <laughs> career wise and I want to do all the legacy lifetime to legacy stuff as my philanthropic give back just like you with the true wealth project
2: yeah yeah, yeah. okay
1: I'm thinking through what's that next level of challenge mm. that I need um yeah, so I see my purpose, and it's really interesting you ask this question because of late there's been a transition grief. Uh-huh. Um, I guess because we moved last year to a new environment and new. Um, I'm no longer as involved in the family enterprise, and um, and what have you? There's been a lot of kind of re recentering self and rediscovering mm. self and. What's the next? What's the next? What does the next season of Nikkei look like? Yeah. Right? Um, Season is a good term. (laughs) Yeah, right. So, purpose is evolving. And honestly, I don't have that answer for you, but I, a part of my purpose for sure is all of this, like legacy and philanthropy and social impact, but I do feel like I'm being called to something else as well. But I'm, again, this is how it all started when I was like, I need to leave Deloitte. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I, I didn't know, I couldn't tell you what that something was. Um, mm. But so you knew I when think, you found it. Yeah, I knew when I found it. And it's just that it's scary. It's scary going on that journey. Um, but I think it's staying true to that, um, being open, um, to discovering what that is and staying curious with that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So that for me is the missing piece right now. I would say. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. So in, in, in terms of your, your, uh, family business, family office season, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: um, what, what, what's, what have been
2: the, the biggest challenges, um, on that way?
1: So much transition, international <laughs> transition, transition from corporate London to family enterprise Lagos. Um, I got married. I became a mum. I I think self teaching as well. That mm. was a that was. Uh, you know, not having a 12-step plan, not yeah. having a guide and yeah. having to figure stuff out by doing yeah. was a challenge. But it's interesting. I was talking to someone and she was like, you pioneered your family office. I was like, it's interesting. I wouldn't have used that language um, because I felt a comfort and like a blanket from my dad being mm. there. Right? Mm. So I felt a covering, so to speak, Um And there was always someone I could turn to um, to ask for guidance. They may not necessarily have been family office experts or family business experts, but they would have something to say that would be invaluable and be helpful on the journey, whether they were private equity experts or construction experts or, right. Um, Yeah. I think, I think I would say that those were the challenges of the transition and, Mm not having a framework to follow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And 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 what in particular are things that you wish you you had known earlier? I mean on on that self-teaching journey. I
1: knew I didn't know anything about life coaches and like coaches in general. Mm. I wish the day I said I called my dad and said, I'm bored here, I wish I got a coach. (laughs) or <laughs> mm. <laughs> well, the day I landed in Lagos and decided to start working in the family business I got a guide yeah for sure that would have helped my journey like just to know
0: that there is help available somewhere
1: yeah I think yeah. part of the issue is firstly validating your issue
2: yeah right sometimes yeah.
1: you feel I think we all go through this where you think what you're going through, you're the only one going through it and no one else can understand. And you've got this heavy cross to bear and it's so crippling and it's so depressing. I think just having that person that would have, ideally would have been like a family business kind of expert to, Mm. you know, validate my reality and be like, you're not the only one. Like this is, that would have been half of the problem. And then also then providing solutions. Yeah. 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 I would have loved that. Yeah. Well, you're providing that now, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, that was really the, yeah, that was the premise of my work, was yeah. to be to someone else, what I would have needed and loved to have. Yeah, yeah. Great,
0: great. And what do you want to be remembered for?
1: Um, service community um imparting knowledge i guess so like legacy um generosity impact
2: Mm -hmm. great collection
0: Okay, and 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 would you say that I mean obviously we're we're all not finished with what we're meant to do on this planet, but you know, is 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 there in in what way is there room for improvement? Where do you still want to go without knowing the exact path you want to take?
1: I feel like there's still something in me, like the entrepreneur, there's still something in there that hasn't been birthed. I, don't, I can't explain it. There's, okay. Yeah, I would um, love to explore that world a lot more, not just as the advisor, but yeah, on the ground, whether as a CEO or as a founder, or I feel like that's what I'm being called to. Like, I guess okay. I, I love a great challenge. <laughs> I'm always looking for a challenge. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Okay. Hmm. sounds like you still have an exciting way to go <laughs>
1: apparently <laughs> apparently okay at
0: this point in time is, is there I mean you know be, being on the True Wealth Project podcast I always like to offer the opportunity to ask for help I mean is there anything in particular that you may need support with that, that something some knowledge some piece of knowledge that you're lacking or some expert that you want to talk to. Uh, I mean, this is the opportunity to call out to our listeners and and, and find out if there might be someone amongst them.
1: Oh, amazing. Um, I'd love to pot- potential podcast guests, anyone with um, that's willing to share their stories on their entrepreneurship, legacy journey, um, successes or... Yeah. Expert teachers, yeah, please reach out to me. That's yeah, I'd love that.
0: Okay, great. And where can I mean, we'll put the contact details in the show notes, but where can people find you
1: on my website www.nicketandani.com? There there are links to my social, my email addresses yeah. there, and there's also my mailing list there. Okay,
0: great. We'll make sure that that's in the show notes. And now I've got a, a little bit of a signature question in this podcast. And it's, it's if there was one thing and only one thing that you could change about our planet, our society, the world we live in, what would that be?
1: Discrimination. Mm-hmm. All sorts, yeah. Um, racial, gender, income, all for, sorts of forms of discrimination. Yeah. That came very uh instantly. So yeah. it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. Um we're in the 21st century, but it's crazy how groups of people are just completely ignored or neglected or treated badly yeah. by yeah. virtue of things they didn't choose. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And that have no bearing on a lot of things. So yeah. 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 Yeah, I'm with you. That would that would
0: actually make our world look a lot better if that if we could stop that sure yeah well we've been chatting for more than an hour i always try to keep it to the hour but i never manage so um (laughs) i I, I think uh i don't want to take any more of your time but it's been lovely to have you on the show and i think um we we extracted some valuable content from from you and i I thank you for for sharing all that and um i really appreciate you being on the show and um I, i i always feel and that there's so much more i could have asked and we could have uh, gone into but um time is short but maybe maybe we can do a follow up uh, some way down the line
1: thank you so much it's been an honor honestly it's been great
0: lovely thanks for being here and uh take care take care Bye-bye. bye bye bye